Section 18 of Sermons to Children by Sabine Baring Gould. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Sermon 18. Dumb Animals. Summer. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. When Adam and Eve were in paradise, the beasts were not afraid of them. They lived surrounded by the beautiful birds of a more tropical climate, and by many wild beasts which we now chase without inspiring fear in them and without fearing them. How beautiful it must have been in Eden, with the peacocks in flights diving among the branches and perching on the boughs, the sun flashing on their gorgeous tails, and the bird of paradise and the lyre-birds fluttering among the leaves, and hummingbirds like living jewels sporting about the flowering shrubs. On the sweet grassy lawns the deer and antelopes grazed, and did not start and fly when Eve came from out of the forest, but allowed her to stroke their dappled sides. The spotted panther and the brindled tiger played at the feet of Adam, and licked his hand as he caressed them, and had no fear. And think of the gorgeous butterflies, purple, golden, scarlet, glancing here and there in the sun rays that fell between the trees, dancing in circles of living fire about some tall, sweet-scented orchis, and then speeding off to flicker and spin about the more beautiful head of Eve as she sat on a bank of violets watching their gambols and wondering at the beautiful flower. How delightful it must have been for Adam and Eve, as they wandered about in Eden, to have found that love and confidence met them at every turn. The little rabbit sat up to be stroked, the fawn came forward to have a few leaves given it, the great shaggy bison bent his neck to feel the hand of man, and the lion paced by the side of his master, as the dog does now, looking up in his face with trust and affection. It was before man fell that God brought the animals to Adam, and he named them. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. When man fell, this mutual trust came to an end. Only a few, a very few animals, clung to man, the faithful dog, and some he kept that he might supply himself with food and clothing from their milk, or flesh, and wool, or skins, as the sheep, and the ox, and the reindeer. But mutual suspicion and fear fell between man and most of the living animals, he hunted and killed them, and they were forced to fly and hide from his arrows, and walk wary of the traps he set for their feet. They no longer loved their master, they feared him. They no longer sought him, but shunned him. He became their greatest and most persistent enemy. The largest and finest of the birds of our northern shores was the garryfowl, or great auk. Many hundreds of years ago, great multitudes of these birds lived on our coasts and swam in our seas. On the sandy shores of Denmark are great mounds of rubbish thrown away by the old Danes who once lived there, 
and from these heaps we can make out on what they lived. There are enormous quantities of oyster shells, and also bones of the garyfowl, so that at one time this bird must have abounded on the Danish coast. No one has been seen there for a century at least. Near Orkney it has become more and more scarce, as every garnifowl seen was shot till 1840 when the last bird was killed. Since then not one of this species has been found anywhere, though great search has been made for it. The whole family of the garifowl have been swept off the face of the earth by man, armed with the gun. There is a splendid butterfly, called from its size and the royal color of its wings the purple emperor. It used to be tolerably frequent in England, but it has been so persistently chased and beaten down and killed that now it has become rare, and if much more persistently hunted, will disappear altogether. I see in the newspapers this year that the Greenland fishery has been most unsuccessful, no whales having been met with. It is thought that they have been so diligently pursued and killed in preceding years that they have been nearly exterminated. So poor seals are killed for their warm furs, and the furs are becoming more and more expensive, because seals are becoming scarcer, and they are being killed at such a rate that before long they will cease to exist. One cannot be surprised at the animals fearing man, who seeks remorselessly to blot them out of God's book of life. As there are certain industries in the commonwealth necessary to the commonwealth, so there are certain families in the commonwealth of creation, and they have their proper place and function in it. But man disturbs this economy of nature, and seeks to root them out for his present advantage, regardless of the loss which will affect posterity. But man disturbs this economy of nature, and seeks to root them out for his present advantage, regardless of the loss which will affect posterity. When Christ had been baptized in Jordan by St. John, he went into the wilderness for forty days, and, as St. Mark tells us, he was there with the wild beasts. As the first Adam was in the garden of paradise with the wild beasts, the second Adam was in the wilderness with the wild beasts. And as sinless Adam was surrounded by their love and confidence, so I doubt not was the second Adam, who was without sin. The beasts did not fear him. They, with their dumb instinct, recognized that he was their protector. I have no doubt that they ministered to him in their way, that they fawned on him, came to him, and sought his caresses. It is said that the horse will not tread on a child, that the wildest horse will be gentle with the baby. It reverences the innocence in it. In a dim way it sees in it the guilelessness of unfallen Adam. Indian mothers will trust their babes to the protection of elephants. I have read of a great elephant set to drive off flies from a little sleeping infant with a tree branch which it holds in its trunk and whisked over the skin of the unconscious child, patiently enduring all the time the tormenting stings of venomous flies attacking its own skin. It forgot itself in its love and solicitude for the human babe. And how faithful and brave in defense of his master or mistress is the dog! How forgiving after injury done it! When Christ comes again, and there are new heavens and a new earth, do you suppose there will be no birds, beasts, and insects in it? I do not doubt that there will be. Look with a microscope into the drops of water, examine the air, everywhere you will find life. And life is God's creation, the manifestation of God's activity. Just as you must be thinking, so God must be creative. He cannot do nothing. In the kingdom of the resurrection, His wisdom, love, power, 
will be manifested quite as plainly and gloriously as now. There will be a fresh outburst of creative power. Everywhere, everywhere will be life. The vast expanse of infinite space will teem with life, and life in an infinity of forms and modes. Created beings are manifested thoughts of God. In the new heavens and new earth, he will be thinking everywhere, and we shall read his thoughts everywhere in fresh forms of beauty. In that blessed kingdom there will be no more suspicion and enmity between the beasts and man, for there will be no sin in the new heavens and new earth, and all will be restored to the footing they were on in Eden. Love and confidence will come back, and the birds and beasts and fishes and insects will love man as their king and seek his favor and delight in recognition from him. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. The broken links of love, binding all creatures together, will be welded again, and just as the golden sunshine bays, illuminates, warms, and gladdens all creatures, so will universal charity embrace, rejoice, and unite all members of the one great family of creation. If you have followed what I have been saying, my children, I am sure that one thought must have risen in your mind, the thought that, as far as possible, you should try to live in love with the inferior creation, to be gentle to the dumb animals, to encourage them to trust you, to try to undo, as much as you can, the evil effects of the fall, in this matter as in others. If you are kind to animals, they speedily begin to recognize it and recover their confidence in you. Last summer I was in the mountains of Bavaria, and one day I went through a wood and came out on a little green glade strewn with genitalias and pink primulus. There were many sheep feeding there, without anyone looking after them. The moment they saw me, they ran up to me, crowded about me, and thrust their noses into my hand. When these sheep came, other sheep further up the mountain, hearing the rapid tinkle of the bells round their necks as they ran to me, came scampering down as well, and tried also to push up to me. The sheep followed me nearly two miles, and I could not get rid of them till I jumped over a stream which they were afraid to cross. They followed me because their shepherd boys were so kind to them that they had lost all fear of man, and looked on him instead as their best friend. I never like to see cruelty to animals in man, because it is one of the evidences how deeply the fall has eaten out the love from the heart of man, destroyed the recollection of the friendship that once subsisted between him and the dumb animals in paradise, and will subsist again in the kingdom of the resurrection. Do you, children, be tender-hearted to all God's creatures. He made them as he made you. They are thoughts of his mind just as you are. They are your feeble brothers and sisters in his great family. We are all one in God. We all proceed from him, we all live in him, and we shall all return to him. We men are his eldest sons, but he has in his house other children, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fishes of the sea, and the creeping things that move on the face of the earth. The great St. Francis was wont to call all animals his brothers and sisters, and he was right. They were so. When St. Paul bids you, love as brethren, be pitiful, courteous, I do not think that this applies only to our intercourse with Christians, but with all men, nay more, with all creation. Love the animals and the birds. Be pitiful to the feeble creatures God has made. Be kindly and courteous even to the beasts. Love as brethren the flowers of the field and the birds that sing in the bushes, 
for ye are all children of the one God. If you have read the lives of the saints, you will see how lovingly they lived with animals. The beasts saw in their harmlessness and kindliness a return to the innocence of paradise, and accordingly shook off their distrust and drew near to them. What pretty stories there are in the lives of the saints of their tenderness to animals. Sometimes birds would come and perch on their hands or shoulders and sing there. Often hunted hares or stags would take refuge in their laps or in their cells from the pursuit of the hounds. Avoid all cruelty to animals. Do not forget that they are members of your family, and though indeed in a fallen world suffering and death are their lot, and their death is necessary for the sustenance of man, yet do your best to mitigate their sufferings and to make their lives happy by your kindness. The Jews say that when Moses was keeping the sheep of Jethro, a lamb ran away and lost itself in the desert. He went after it and pursued it a great distance, till the little creature fell, panting and footsore on the ground, unable to go further. Then Moses said to it, Little lamb, didst thou think I sought to hurt thee, that thou didst fly me? Nay, it was in love that I went after thee, and now in love I will bear thee home in my bosom. And when God saw his gentleness to the lamb, he said, This man shall feed my people Israel. You may be very sure, children, that if you show gentleness and love to God's animal creation, he will be well pleased with you, for of him it is said, His mercy is over all his works. End of section 18